hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Stephen, I've got a question for you that will tax you incredibly. Oh, what is it, Joe? Can you think of three cliffhangers more iconic than the one we just experienced? Ooh. Uh, Barbara and the Daleks at the end of the first part of the Daleks would be up there. Good call. Um, that immediately comes to mind. You've got Scaroff's unveiling at the end of part one of City of Death. That's another one that's up there. Do you know what? Until and... I watched that with my other half, I never noticed that nose coming out of that mask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always someone spoil it for you. Um, and then... Maybe one more. Um, let's go with the 80s. Let's go to the 80s and let's go maybe Earthshock again. Just that pullback at the end of episode one, you know, part one, where we got the, the Cybermen back for the first time in seven years. That would have just been an, a, an astonishing moment if you were a fan watching it in 1982. So how about those three? That's perfect. Thank you very much. I'll just throw in one more. I'd say Remembrance 1 as well. The one oh. there's yes yeah absolutely that's on that one. playing with expectations isn't it and that's always really mm. um mm. however this definitely ranks are you ready to see what happens next oh, i cannot wait to see what happens next okay i'll count us in then in five four three two one off we go so at this point, this would have been on, this story would have been on for, this was, This is the seventh week. We've nearly been watching this for two months now. It's a busy show, isn't it, in this day and age? It is, yeah. I mean, it's not unprecedented. No, 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 no. I mean, if this was now, if this was flux, it would be over already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true, actually. Yeah. Do you think we would have got... 13 episodes of series what 13 i guess uh in a in a flux like fashion this whole thing that'd be one story over 13 weeks do you think i guess we'll never or 10 weeks that. or whatever that would have made if they, it wasn't for covid irritatingly because chibnall is very secretive about a lot of behind the scenes stuff in a way that like rusty davis and stephen moffat were mm. i don't think we'll ever really know because he doesn't really interview does he? he doesn't do a column in Doctor who magazine yeah that's a good point we probably won't know and he's traveling, coming back into the story after fainting. And he's in this episode, from what I recall, a lot more than he was in the last one. <laughs> and just more, more kind of active in it, you know? Because mm -hmm. he has to try and get into Vaughan's headquarters, doesn't he? And, and, and convince him to turn against the side. Well, 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 this is it. And again, if we're talking about Bond, you know, you need to have that final confrontation between Bond and the supervillain. And that's very much what's starting to happen here um, when, when Troughton is reinserted back into the narrative and he has to have that showdown. But of course, it's not just the showdown with Vaughan, it's the, the showdown with, uh, with the Cybermen as well. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's, it's great. It's kind of like when you're playing Street Fighter and you get to you know one of the bosses and then you get past them and there's always one more boss after that so 
until you get to bison. Anyway, that's a tortured metaphor. Leave that alone. Um, but I, I like the idea that it's not just Vaughn, it's also the Cybermen that he's having to show down against in these last two episodes. Mm. Is this what you wanted, Stephen, to be the ruler of a dead world? <laughs> Such a great line. And that, that is the actual cliffhanger to this one as well. The Wonderful whole world's gone to hell and he's sitting there in his chair with his leg crossed over. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes, everything is going to plan. I bet that he's got a, a tick list there or something like that, you know, a spreadsheet. But he's Oh, like the monk in the time meddler where he's going through and ticking things, you know, scratching things off a to-do list from the wall. Yeah, very likely. You know how organized these CEOs are. Yeah, anyone who's too organized, actually, no, hang on, you've come on a couple of these being very organized. Maybe I should be a bit worried doing this with you, you know. Yeah, maybe going, yes, showing my hand there. What is your megalomaniacal scheme for taking over the world, Stephen? <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. I'm sure it'd be a lot more efficient anyway. Yeah, you can use my secret underground base, you know, which determined in episodes one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just be needing that for sure. Head to the loo and pull the cord and it'll go take you down. <laughs> okay. I'll let you know if I'm having any difficulty. Okay. I think probably the extent of my super villainy, though, would probably be to become showrunner of Doctor Who. I think that would be the extent of my villainy. Okay, that's, that's kind of like, that's very benign villainy there, I'd say. I'd, I'd be a benign despot. Yeah, I'm sure but without without saying anything specific, all I know is this: is that you would have fantastic ideas if you were showrunner of Doctor Who. <laughs> right, I'm there for it. Bloody yeah. dramatic shot of Packer out there. Well, they keep doing this, don't they? Like Packer comes into the view of those sort of circular monitors when he's called. Um, They're setting it up, aren't they, for the bit where the Cyberman completely, comes, yeah. Comes that's a great and moment. A well. that wonderful musical sting that again oh, is just so yes. yes. That there is that sting exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, now we get very unusually for this story a bit of a confused action sequence here where they're rushing out of the house and Jamie suddenly gets shot in the leg. Yeah. And it's purely to get Fraser Hines out of the action because he needs a holiday yeah. episode eight. But it is it is yeah. particular like the the language of the shots. It's not very clear what's happening. And and do you think it's because they probably got to this you know late on in the in the schedule and they realised oh no Jamie's off to Skegness next week. We need to write him out. How are we going to do it? Um, and he probably wasn't scripted that way. Skegness, obviously. Well, I don't know. I tried to think of something depressing. And I hope Fraser British. might have had higher aspirations than that for his holidays. <laughs> oh there he is yeah he's he's been hit can you give us a chopper no this is doctor who we can't afford it <laughs> exactly it all happens conveniently off screen you know i learned something the other day about a helicopter in doctor who i never knew and are you going to tell me that it's a it's a lift from a Bond film, one of the sequences? Oh no, I no, I did know that already, and it, yeah, it isn't yeah, either as well that that terrible cardboard um, helicopter that they blow up in Battlefield looks unconvincing. I know that wasn't real. Um, it's the helicopter footage in Invasion of the Dinosaurs where they're pursuing the Doctor. That's all stock footage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's all footage, so it's not shot for the episode. So I took it from the library and then found a location that matched the stock footage. Now, isn't that genius? genius. Yeah. That is genius. Paddy Russell. Paddy Russell. Yeah. Absolutely. Honestly, Paddy Russell and Douglas Canfield should have got married. If they had directed together, it would be amazing. <laughs> I'm sure that would have been their ambition to you know, direct the ultimate Doctor Who story. Oh, my word. Now, see, uh, Vaughn's losing his shit now. Yeah. That means things aren't getting serious. Yeah, his inner Steve Jobs is coming out. Oh, I think it's so sweet as well in a minute when you see the shots of the cyber spaceships, the little miniatures. And he, yeah. tries really hard. he tries really hard to even to shoot that dynamically because he kind of swoops around them. But there's no getting away from the fact that they just look like these tiny little spaceships, you know, that they've built. Yeah. And I, I, again, this is probably another reason why I feel like the first four parts are more successful than the, the, the second half of this story. Um, it just starts to show that the money is starting to run out. They're unable to mount, um, you know, certain action sequences. Like you think back to the, the helicopter escape that we had, was it part three? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the Hercules uh, sort of footage that we had in part one as well. Like a lot of it is obviously scene setting and it has to come in the first part of the first half of the story anyway. But um, there's an awful lot of sitting around tables waiting urgently for something to happen in this in this second part and it's because we've gone again from spy-fi atmosphere um you know bondian genre kind of um homage to all-out action alien invasion which as wonderful as it is and it still is a really good story in the back half of it still works it's just not what doctor who can do really well with uh, with its resources at this point in time and maybe even now the first half of this as well felt deliberately paced um uh, and as if it was starting to build a picture and gathering momentum uh with mm -hmm. its the second half i feel like there's a bit of improvising going on so like that scene with gregory where he got killed where they talk about yeah. um watkins being kidnapped it all feels like rewrites jamie being shot yeah. a minute ago jamie getting shot it yep. feels like they're kind of, you know, making it up a little bit as they go along. Yeah, and, and they're getting away with it. And it's Douglas Camfield who's at the helm, so of course they are. But yes, it is just this sense of we're keeping the lid on it and we're going to get uh, something great out, but it's not always in control. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, now maybe. it's time for Zoe to shine. She shines in these last two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, she's gone from wearing that uh, bright feather boa to that sparkly cat suit. Again, it's the Emma Peel thing. Absolutely. Um, Honor Blackman, Emma Peel, that, that sort of Avengers kind of thing that we're getting here. I'm going to make another suggestion now, which... Because, uh, obviously, Padbury was offered season eight. Like, she was said, you know, do you want to keep going? Seven, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She could have filled that Liz Shaw role perfectly if they had both been stuck on Earth. She's a scientist. I don't know what Padre and Pertwee would have been like. I don't know. I, I would have liked to. I think she's. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what she would have been like in season eight. I wouldn't want to lose Caroline. Yeah. I think she's very good. 
Look, I, I, yeah, you're right, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting because we would not have, not only would we have not, uh, not only would we have lost um, the Liz Shaw character, we also wouldn't have got Joe Grant because effectively she's both of those things. Is that music you were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Very jolly. This doesn't work, does it? <laughs> but I think as well, like at this point, if you'd have said, well, we're going to ground Doctor Who, we're going to have this army coming in every week, um, we're going to set it on industrial bases and things, like that's not what Doctor Who's done to this point, is it? The whole point of the show has is, is been, the, you know, the possibilities are endless. I think if you'd have said to the audience at the time, this is where we're going, they'd be like, well, that isn't going to work, you know? Yeah, but you know, you think back to season five and and the restriction of the formula through not necessarily a single setting and and you know a bunch of uh, regular characters, but um, in terms of the the standardization of the of the story of the plot, which is based under siege, they 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 have done it before, and back then it was a way to uh, perhaps do it a little bit cheaper, but also perhaps uh, try and break an American market. Um, here it's well in season. Uh, seven as well as in the invasion it could well be and this is something that Davison does by the way later on uh, flipping of the coin and then turning it while yeah. no one's looking uh, even though no one else is actually around so lovely <laughs> such a good character moment um, but um, to go back to my point um, it's uh, it, it's in the same way that um, you know season five is, is Doctor Who trying to do something like the Avengers, where it's trying to standardize something and sell it to an, uh, another market. Um, season seven is less about selling it um, to, an to another market, more just about um, making it easier to produce, um, yeah. uh, more cost effective, uh, and, and being able to create a better spectacle as a result. And that's also helped by the fact that they're not doing 44 episodes, they're doing 25. No. Uh, and you're able to just get a lot more bang for your buck as well. But certainly as well, I think the four stories in season seven, it's about as good as classic Who looks like it's full of action. Um, you know, you're on safe turf because we're on the earth. So we're not creating yeah. you know, alien worlds and stupid costumes and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, find it, I find it a little bit dry, a little bit cold. I think it's excellent. Like it's, it's terrific television. And you know, like the Silurians has a moral element to it that I find really interesting. Yeah. Ambassadors, I love the paranoia of who's about, um, mm. and the fun of Inferno. And I think Inferno episode six that leads up to all those yep. characters being killed, that's one of the most intense episodes of Doctor Who they ever put out. Like, it yeah. is good television. It's just not very fun. And I like Doctor Who to be fun. Yeah, but I also feel like Doctor Who can do anything, um, and and it can experiment with that kind of um, spy-fi, etc. genre that it does here in, in, in season seven, and it can, like a piece of elastic band, you know, snap back into, not just be, you know, stretched into any shape, but be actually um, flexible enough to come back and, and be reshaped into another that's the great part of the format. Like I, I am a huge fan and advocate for series two of the news uh, Doctor Who. Um, ah, I just think that's an yeah, argument. 
It absolutely is, and I know that, and there's many reasons uh, why I can absolutely recognise that it's... Uh, maybe, no, I feel it we, maybe, maybe we should dip into season two then, a series oh, two. It could be something nice to do, yeah, sure. But the reason why I think it works so well is because it's Doctor Who doing a love story for the first time and actually doing it really well, mm. and then at the end of it, it's able to pack away the pieces into the box to tell another story the next series, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have a... Um, many different interpretations of the Doctor through, you know, different production teams. You think about, you know, season 22, how different that is to even, you know, season 24, 25, 26. All of these are different takes on the same character in the same way that you're able to uh, reinterpret and um, re-establish, um, you know, things like a, a Shakespeare play and, and do absolutely different readings and, and, um, and, ta and takes on it. I think that's one of the great things about Doctor Who, that you can actually have a, a season seven, which is, you know, very, very gritty, and then follow it up with the absolute warm hug that is season eight and the unit family and the Delgado master being a little bit crap, but we love him and we don't want him to be, you know, uh, defeated or destroyed or whatever. But, we, you know, it's, it's very, it's very different. And um, that's actually a strength and benefit of the show that it can be, can be so uh, varied in its tone. Well, one of the reasons why I find the 80s so interesting, because I think before the 80s, on the whole, I think season six actually is a bit of an anomaly. Um, the producers or the seasons do have a tone. You know, Hingecliff has a tone. Yeah. Williams has a tone. Yeah, um, yeah. Hartnell, as much as it veers about all over the place in genres, it, it does have a bit of a tone to it. Um, Season six yeah. is, is a strange one because I've you know you go from the mind robber to the invasion to the crotons, it's a bit all over there. <laughs> what I love yeah. about the 80s is you never know what you're gonna get from one week to the next. Like the 80s, you're going from case of Androzani to the twin dilemma to attack of the Cybermen to Vengeance on Vi like it's all over the bloody place, and the quality is completely variable. <laughs> But in the same breath, it is kind of exciting not to not to, to have no clue whether you're going to be gunning or frocking, you know, in the, mm. in the next story. Like, like, for goodness sakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I spoke more about how Davison's era within a season, you can have those sort of vacillations between frock and gun. But I, I, I just in terms of like, um, I, do, I don't know if that's intentional. I think it's kind of a production team trying to figure out what it can do and trying to do everything that it can do without necessarily having, you know, like a Hinchcliffe a consistent tone or, you know, a Barry Lerth consistent tone, et cetera. That is uh, an accident perhaps. And sometimes it, it fails because it's an experiment and other times it just comes off and then you will have the ridiculous and sublime next to one another as you have with case of androzani and the twin dilemma for heaven's sake what do you think is the most jarring like back-to-back -back stories I, I you know i think it might be or well, not jarring but the most dramatically different two back-to-back -back stories i think it might be black orchid and earth shock you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> How's that? Nice little cricket match in the English countryside followed by, <laughs> well, devastation and death. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good one, actually. I hadn't thought too much about that. This, I was thinking more so in terms of like the way in which the show evolves and changes and even something like Dragonfire to Remembrance of the Daleks, um, mm-hmm. just the, the, the confidence and the, you know, the change in, in the way that um, the production team has just got a handle of it all of a sudden, which they were building up to, I guess, in, in, um, in 24. That would be another one to rank up there. Um, what else? Maybe something like Horror of Fangrock and... Um, it is yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be another one. Unbelievable, wouldn't it? They came back to back. Hans and Naimon and, uh, and uh, Leisure Hive is another one. I mean, I would say as well, certainly in terms of tone, my, Mind Robber into the Invasion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think we just had some stock footage of uh, missiles being primed about to be launched. There, works. There. I think it works. It does. Yeah, it does. It does. It does work. There's a wonderful bit in the um, novelization where we sort of get um, a bit of a description of what's happening in the Russian airbase, which Ian Marta calls Nick Courtney, as in Nick Courtney, Nicholas Courtney, N-I-K-O-R-T-N-Y. Um, which we don't get obviously on screen, but that's one of the joys of the target novelizations. Isn't it sounds it? like one of those um, appalling fanish in jokes that turned up in every new adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you first. But things are starting to come to a head. You know, we can see Zoe working with the boffins and trying to get the uh, blaster cyber fleet out of the sky, which is now a lot bigger than, than first thought. Uh, the Doctor and Vaughn have um, finally begun their their uh, final showdown. I think All after um, after Barbara, yeah, because I just adore mm-hmm. Barbara. I think Zoe might Quite be right. my favourite sixties companion. Yeah, you know what i I would agree with that. Yeah. Like I can see a lot of promise in Polly and unlike yourself, I have a lot more time for Susan because of what she was meant to be. Um, and, and Vicky is Susan done right in many ways and mm-hmm. she's wonderful too. But yeah, you're right. Zoe as a, as a character, it just sparkles. Wendy Padbury obviously has a lot to do with that too. So when I realised I got it right with Vicky was in her second story where she says to the doctor, oh, and by the way, I think I might have poisoned Nero. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I love that story so much. I think the best moment is in the space museum, you know, uh, and she's uh, she's asked by the computer, "What do you need the guns for?" Revolution, <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, no, the agency that she shows in the chase when she just dives into that Dalek time ship and finds her way back, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which, to be fair, is what all the things that Susan Susan should have been allowed to do. So what what have we got here? Like um, Super Brain M Appeal? Is that what we've got in Zoe? Katsu, you know, yeah. smarts. Yeah, and uh, you know, Emma, Emma Peel is a Super Brain herself. You know, she's uh, a, that talented amateur tradition. But uh, yeah, this is one step above. It's sort of like the. Uh, um, Photographic memory and the absolutely brilliant mathematical skills. I love that. You better be right. I am. 
course, yes. And she can be, uh, uh, you know, in the victim mold of companion, but she does have a confidence about her, doesn't she? Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a failing for a female um, uh, companion, in particular, to sort of be afraid as much as a male companion really, you know, can be afraid. These are ordinary people put into extraordinary situations. Of course, you're going to be terrified in, in certain situations. It doesn't negate all of your positive characteristics. Well, the thing is, I think, maybe the, um, you know how I, you know, I talk about the Stephen Moffat era quite a lot. I think he did one incredible mm. thing in his time and one really irritating thing in his time. The incredible <laughs> thing was Just he, he introduced Rory and he let Rory mm. be the scared companion and the one who's worried yeah. and the one who's anxious. Yeah, yeah. And that was yep. such a lovely gender reversal. But then later on, he introduced Ara and he just never let her be scared. So I, I never felt like she was in any kind of great jeopardy because she just waltzed through her stories with this bizarre confidence when terrible things were happening. Look, I, I've definitely heard you say that. And I think that's, that's absolutely right. You can't deny it. Here's some nice model work probably done at dealing where the, the cyber fleet's blown up by the wonderful calculations that Zoe's <laughs> done on the clipboard of all things. Um, but I also think that back to Moffat, he's writing, he's not writing a real character, he's writing a, um, an archetype in, in a similar way perhaps to what um, Sarah Jane um, is. And, I, you know, Clara was um, Liz Sladen's middle name, I believe. So I think there's a bit of a sort of paralleling of those two. But, but um, Liz Sladen was allowed to be frightened and she brought a lot of that to the role. That's, that's a good point. I often yeah. felt like that Liz Sladen was so effective that she was in genuine danger sometimes, like like that bit where she's where she's kicked off the foul rocket and suspended in the mm -hmm. air. But she plays yeah. that anxiety there with such realism. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a little, it's a little you know what we've done? It's appalling. We talked all over that fabulous Vaughn Doctor scene. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but there's the. Uh... There's the cliffhanger. Is this what you wanted to be the ruler of a dead world? I'm thinking not, you know. Uh, probably not. Yeah, if you send me to somewhere desolate and terrible like Mars, I don't think I'd be particularly happy. But um, regardless of what we said about, you know, a little bit of improvisation, a bit of um, the money going missing, I don't think it loses any excitement. No, 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 no. No, I mean, these these are the uh, the moments where it all sort of comes together, and we're desperate to see exactly how the cyber fleet's going to be uh, destroyed because that's yet to come. <laughs>